can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Hannah, the other day I did a facial for my boyfriend. He actually requests I missed now. this. Yeah. Well, you're not on TikTok. So if you miss it on my stories, if I repost it, you miss it, you know? You've got to yeah. be on TikTok. Okay, I know. So he requests facials now. He had specifically asked that day he wanted one. So he got one. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, because I've done you a favor, maybe you can do me a favor. I'm going to make a TikTok out of this. You're going to film the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stitch it together. And then you can do the voiceover of like what I've told you throughout the facial. So I'm going to tell you what I'm mm-hmm. doing and then you can pick up from that and you can do the voiceover afterwards. So we did that and he mm-hmm. was doing really well and then it kind of goes downhill. So I'm going to play the audio for you so you can okay. hear how much he picked up from me. I can't wait to hear this. I'm a dermal therapist and today I gave my boyfriend a facial and he's going to tell you what we did. Here we go. <laughs> We're doing a cleanse at the moment. I actually had two cleanses, but we don't show that. Wiping it all off. Now I'm having a physical and chemical exfoliant Rub all that dead skin off. Ooh. Very relaxing LED light mask for 15 minutes. Hydrating mask for about 15 minutes and American Psycho film set. Peel it off, looking hydrated. Now we're going to go into the hyaluronic acid rub. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go into the two-part hydrating mask. First step one, rub it all in, very nice. Step two, bit of cream, rub all that in. Big drink of water for my face, feeling nice. And finish with a kiss. And that's it. So he did really well up until the hyaluronic acid uh, <laughs> rub. <laughs> finish with a kiss. That was his downfall. Rub? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I oh, okay. To say that. <laughs> so I used the Habitual Beauty cleanser on him. I used the Aspect exfoliating mm-hmm. polish. We did an Aspect sheet mask. Mm-hmm. We did the Trophy Skin LED. And we did the Medicate HEO mask, the yep. two-part mask that mm-hmm. he mentioned. Oh, and the skin-quenching something, the hyaluronic acid cream by Cosmetics. That was the hyaluronic acid rub. The rub. So nice. <laughs> he's bougie. He gets access to a lot of products. So he's uh, he's very selective about what he uses. And he has requested lately that I repurchase him the Medicaid Advanced Night Restore Moisturizer, mm-hmm. which I personally really love as well. But it's like over a hundred dollars. I'm like, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need that. You can stick with your La Roche-Posay and shush. <laughs> I don't have to be buying you that. My boyfriend won't let me take any photos or videos with sheet masks really? or clay masks. Yeah, that's one thing that is oh, off limits. Off limits. He <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, he's got standards. Mine doesn't. He's like, do whatever. <laughs> He loves a sheet mask. Loves. Yeah. Loves he a sheet mask. He just won't let the world know that. <laughs> it's confidential information that you're letting out right now. I already did talk about 
which I asked him if I could say when he did the clay mask. Yeah. Remember I spoke about that and his skin was amazing afterwards. I recommended that to someone the other day. Yeah, saying really good. They, yeah, struggling with oiliness and congestion. I mm. thought, hmm, give that a crack. Yep, yep. All right, Hannah, what's on today's episode? So on today's episode, we are chatting to Dr. Lucinda about kidney infections and then staff is speaking to Melanie Grant and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Okay, so today we are talking about kidney infections with Dr. Lucinda. I experienced the first kidney infection of my life the other day when I had a oh, no. had a UTI. Well, it's interesting. Three people I know have said like in the last few weeks have told me they've had a kidney infection, which I didn't know really? was that common. Yeah, like you told me and then two other people had kidney infections like hospital serious. Oh, wow. It was something that they didn't know that they had and they left it. See, if I didn't know that a UTI could lead to a kidney infection, I wouldn't have realized that the back pain I was experiencing was Mm. from that. So it was just because I knew that that was like a symptom that I knew to get antibiotics. As Mm. soon as that started, I was like, oh, the urals no longer cutting it. (laughs) Got to get on the antibiotics. (laughs) So what causes kidney infections, Dr. Lucinda? And what are some of the common symptoms? Obviously, we know UTIs are one thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry to hear that you had that because kidney infections are super painful. Yeah, I'm all good now, but it wasn't fun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, kidney infections are usually caused by bacteria. They can be rarely caused by viruses, but it's normally bacteria that causes it. And that's usually starts as a bladder infection and then travels up towards your either one or both of your kidneys can potentially travel up into the bloodstream, which is why it's so important for you to start antibiotics as soon as it's been sort of diagnosed nose basically. It's usually caused also by bacteria that live in your bowel. So E. coli is usually the big cause of it. It's all about that wiping in the correct direction situation front to back, which sort of helps. And also keeping really hydrated to pee frequently so that you're avoiding like the E. coli from or the bacteria from traveling up into the ureter itself. And the symptoms are kind of like it starts with that back pain or are Mm. you kind of expecting to feel a bit hot yeah, back pain, like side pain, groin pain. You can feel feverish and chills, nausea and vomiting. When you're peeing, it can be painful or going mm-hmm. more frequently. You can perhaps see some blood in the urine and the urine sometimes looks a little bit cloudy or really foul smelling. And you can feel quite weak and drained generally within yourself as well. Yes, all of the above. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So you mentioned antibiotics. Is that Mm. sort of the most common treatment for kidney infections? Yeah, absolutely. Because basically what will happen is that you'll see your doctor, they'll take a history, you know, make sure your vitals are fine, temperature and heart rate and everything. And then you, you know, generally be tender on examination in your kidney area. And then usually they'll do a urine dip Mm -hmm. and that will show whether or not there's any blood or any infection cells within it. So that way we know what's going on. Like I personally normally send off that urine sample just to make sure that the pathology lab have looked at it and made sure that whatever antibiotics I'm prescribing are definitely the correct ones. Mm -hmm. Like we follow antibiotic guidelines for the local areas because there are resistance to certain antibiotics. So we've got to make sure that we're using the ones that are not resistant in our own area. 
but what I find is that like you want your symptoms to be improving within a day or two. Mm. If there is absolutely no symptom improvement within a day, or if symptoms are getting worse, you're going to need to go into hospital to get IV antibiotics basically at that point and a drip of fluids. And then, you know, say for example, you do, you know, find yourself getting better and stabilized, but, you know, the result comes back from pathology saying, oh, actually, this antibiotic would be better. We might call you up and say, hey, I'm going to need to change that antibiotic script to something else. But just to let you know, when it comes to antibiotics with kidney infections, it's particularly important to finish the course. And I know it might seem a bit next level if we're giving you days and days worth of treatment, but it's just really important for us to be able to completely clearly treat this infection. Obviously then pain relief. So you can use over-the-counter pain relief. Sometimes we might give you some stronger pain relief if it's really bad, whether or not it's paracetamol or an anti-inflammatory of some form. But usually paracetamol and ibuprofen should suffice. And obviously drinking lots and lots of water, you want to help flush that bacteria out and help prevent dehydration. And then rest. So take time off work, do not do strenuous activities, really just recover because that can help reduce the risk of complications as well. You guys should have seen me trying to take these antibiotics. They were oh, huge. the tablets. Oh. And you know I've got the tablet thing. Oh. Can we normalize oh liquid oh. antibiotics, please? I used to get them a lot when I was younger. Like, not a lot, oh. but like I on occasion had received the suspension, like the mm. liquid. And I've asked for it since being an adult. And they're like, no, we can't give that no, to we you. Don't for do children. That. <laughs> like, oh, wow. You know, isn't it by weight? Like, just give me a little bit more than what you would give a child. <laughs> yeah, you'd have bottles and bottles and bottles worth, like, for, like, ages care. as well. Repeat prescriptions of these <laughs> bottles. You'd, like, chug That's a bottle so down fine. a day. <laughs> that is so fun. I almost, I took an antibiotic. As soon as I got the antibiotics from Chemist Warehouse, I was in the car driving up to my partner's holiday house. And so I was mm. like, I'm going to have to take it in the car because I'm feeling rubbish. So I want to get onto it straight away. Absolutely. So like I get it out. I see the size of the tablet. I'm like, oh no. Oh, oh, so no. I just I try to swallow it in the car and I almost threw up in my own lap. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> How did you manage? I ended up just having to completely separate myself and I just had to like basically choke it down. I was eating a curly whirly as well oh. to try. You know how curly whirlies are quite thick. And so they they just helped mm. to, I don't know, they, it helped to get it down, but I really struggled with it. Okay. And then I get into like, I get into a trauma response the next time that I take it because I'm like, oh no, I don't uh, want to choke again. So he ended up having to crush oh it up God. into four parts. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's really bad guys. I know you're probably thinking like, get over it, but it genuinely <laughs> is like a phobia. Like I have a problem. Oh. Yeah. I can imagine it trying to go down and you go, Ugh. Uh, yes. Yeah. And my brain oh. is like, no, absolutely not. Oh. We're not doing this. That's the thing because it's probably food that's smaller or larger that you eat. And like, oh, you know, it just yeah. it, like, won't go down. A hundred percent. And I feel stupid for it, but I just can't help it. It's just mm, something phobia. huge tablets. I can't. Oh. Well done for doing it though. Fair play. I got through in the end, but it's not. Oh. When I find out I have to take antibiotics, I'm like, I'd rather an injection. Honestly, <laughs> I really would. Oh. <laughs> or like intravenous. Hook Admit me. me. Up to a drip. I'd rather it. So when it comes to preventing kidney infections. I know you mentioned the wiping 
front to back. Anything else we can do for prevention? Yeah, as you can imagine, like any activities that occur in that downstairs region, like sexual activities, it's, you know, trying to keep everything like as clean as you can. So ideally wash before and after intercourse, you know, have that pee after intercourse as well. Staying hydrated is key as well, as we mentioned before, just helps sort of flush out any bacteria that might be lurking around that area and keep you hydrated. Avoiding like irritant kind of products, so like bubble baths or like spermicidal creams, anything that sort of, you know, irritates your pH level around that sort of side of things. And then also making sure that if you're getting recurrent infections, getting that checked out by your doctor to make sure that there's no underlying cause like diabetes or like an actual abnormality in the structure of your kidneys or your urinary bladder system, basically. Yeah. So those are really the main, main things to do that you can prevent yourself. I was having baths in Epsom salts. That should be okay. And I found that helped. Yeah. So that's a little hot tip. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, because you remember those fizzy bombs that used to put into the baths? Oh my gosh. That was a nightmare for everything downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Such the fad. It was just plain Epsom salts. (laughs) 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 Nothing else. Oh my gosh, yeah. And how can a person tell if their kidney infection is becoming more severe and when should they seek medical attention? i.e. maybe going to the hospital. I think generally speaking, like when you've started the antibiotics, you want to see an improvement Mm -hmm. within one to two days. So I normally call patient up and after 24 hours, if it's not getting any better, I'll assess like how severe their pain is and everything like that. And then sort of plan with them if like it's worth going into hospital now at this point because it also depends are they quite frail have they got any other medical Mm. problems as well but if your symptoms are getting any worse even if you just started antibiotics you should be going into hospital so that's like pain or anything like you're feeling really unwell and weak because it's not worth taking the risk on this because it can travel into the bloodstream there obviously i'd say sort of have a if you can have a little chat to your gp if it's like within hours if you're not sure about that decision but otherwise if it's out of hours it's safer just to go in if your symptoms are getting worse you know you're vomiting you know you can't keep fluids down you're feeling really poorly or the pain is really severe or you're just continuously peeing out blood all this kind of stuff just go in and then at least you know you've covered yourself there and put yourself in a safe space there thank you so much for chatting to us about kidney infections dr lucinda pleasure pleasure thanks for having me on again guys I'm Sadaf Razi, Adore Beauty's Senior Beauty Editor, and today I'm joined by Melanie Grant. Melanie Grant is one of the world's most sought-after skin specialists, and she was recently a judge for Vogue Australia's first ever Beauty Awards. Welcome, Melanie. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, you are one of the judges for the Vogue Beauty Awards. Everyone can head to vogue.com.au to see the full list of the 2023 Vogue Beauty Awards winners. But we wanted to ask, what were the standout products for you? Geez, that's a really hard one because I think there were so many great products in that lineup for skincare especially, which was just, I thought it was incredible. I think, you know, SkinCeutical C Ferulic was a standout. I mean, it's a product that I've used in my morning regime for like 10 years, I would say. And it's something that I always go back to. I love vitamin C in the mornings. I think if you can tolerate it and your skin likes it, it's one of those unicorn kind of ingredients. And I think C Ferulic, of all of the different ones that I try, and there's always, you know, someone saying, oh, there's a new 
you know, a new formula or something more innovative. And I always go to try other things, but I always come back to this one. I love it for glow, for firming, for all of those things. Of course, antioxidant protection. And the second would be, you know, I love Augustina Sparta, the rich cream. I've worked with this brand for the last five years and worked with the product on my clients and using it on my own skin. So I think that's another real mainstay in my own routine. So I would say that one as well. Well, yeah, Skin C Seafrolic is Adore Beauty's one of the best seller. It's held that title. I know amongst beauty experts like yourself, it's got that legendary status and that trickles down to our customers because people really love it. And it is expensive, but obviously people are happy to pay for it because like you said, the results that it yields is just so worth it. It's a real cult product, but I always know a product is great because it is on the high side of, you know, expense wise. But I think when someone, people come back and repeat purchase again and again, and they're happy to pay that price over and over, that's when you know that you've got a really, really special product. So true. You're basically the Beyonce of the skincare world. That's a big compliments. Very true. What led you to your love of glowing skin? You know, I think I'm really lucky in that I always kind of knew what I wanted to do. I think from a really young age, I got into aesthetics straight out of school, going more into spa first and then moved into more medispa uh, doctor clinic setting a few years later. And I guess, you know, the really great thing about our industry, it's always evolving. It's very innovative. So you're always learning and challenging yourself. And I think it's not that you're doing the same thing that you were doing 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You really have to stay abreast of, you know, new technology, new formulations, all of those really fun, exciting things. And so it's the only job I've ever had and working specifically in skin for the last, you know, 15 years. It's a really rewarding job. Now you have a star-studded client list, including celebrities like Victoria Beckham, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Dua Lipa, oh my girl crushes, and Kate Blanchett. How did you get into treating celeb faces? You know, it's really funny because I certainly never set out to be, you know, a celebrity facialist. I mean, even, you know, 20-something years ago when I started in this industry, 24 years ago, saying how old I am, that wasn't a thing. You know, even 10 years ago, it wasn't really a thing. I think it's definitely become, in the last few years, everyone's like, you know, getting a photo with their client or like, you know, having videos, which is not something that I'm really... I mean, look, they add a lot of value to my business and and it's fantastic when these clients, you know, feel compelled or comfortable to, to... make a testimonial or recommend me or speak about my work. I think it's the ultimate compliment. But, you know, for me, skin is skin. You know, whoever's on my table, my treatment bed, it's all kind of much of a muchness. And I think that definitely word of mouth. So I don't believe in PR. I've never had a PR agency. I've never reached out to people. I've never invited people in. I can't even remember the person that, who was my first celebrity client? I can't remember, like, you know, proper celebrity. But it's always been word of mouth. And I think, you know, when you do a good job, regardless of whoever the person is, you know, then when word will spread and people will come and, you know, celebrity or not, I think it's it's a really rewarding outcome to be recognized for your work. What would you say is the best risk you've taken in your career so far? I would say opening my first studio, looking back, it was so risky and probably a little bit stupid. I had no business plan. There was no proper real strategy around it, but I did know I kind of had an idea in that, you know, I'd worked across really traditional spa practices and I'd also worked in very clinical, more medical settings. And I saw value in both disciplines, but at the time there wasn't really anywhere. I mean, I had this concept of clinical beauty where I think it's really, you shouldn't compromise on experience to get results. So going to a laser clinic and having a really 
aggressive traumatic laser and having an ice pack slapped on your face and sent out the door. You know, I always thought it really missed that kind of caring, nurturing, elevated kind of practice of spa rituals of feeling like you're really taking care of yourself. But in saying that, you know, you can go and have that really nice experience where you're having a, a more of a spa treatment, but you shouldn't compromise on results either. So I had this concept that I wanted to do, you know, clinical modalities and laser and needling and different things, but I wanted to have it in more of a spa very elevated setting. And so I opened my first business in Sydney, I think like 12 years ago, maybe now. And I think that was definitely the biggest risk because I used to talk about it all the time. And I think even my friends, my husband, everyone was like, oh, please just stop. (laughs) Either do it or stop talking about it. Different things are the way I would do it. And so I opened definitely without a proper plan or like not knowing a lot about business, you know, because that wasn't my background. So it was really probably going in a little bit blind. And I'm super lucky that I'm still here. (laughs) But yeah, definitely that would be my biggest risk. Now, you have studios across Sydney, Melbourne and LA, as well as doing residencies in Paris. Have you found any differences in how people approach skin and aging or well-aging based on their different locations? Like Yes and no. I think, look, you know, skin is skin wherever you are. And I think we're all kind of, I think I'm seeing more, every, you know, clients being after that, you know, no makeup, being able to wear no makeup, having that really fresh, healthy, glowing complexion. You know, in Melbourne, you might see a little bit more. Definitely, I was just in Melbourne actually treating and everyone is always such a crispy chip there. So dry because of the climate, obviously, you know, yes. um, Los Angeles, I think there's a real issue with pollution and sun as well. Sydney, sun damage for sure. But I think the attitude towards skincare, I mean, maybe I would say Australia, we're definitely more about skin health and it's more of a holistic approach. Clients are definitely really invested in antioxidants and sunscreen and, and taking care of their, their skin for long-term you know, results and, and maintaining and protecting their skin. I think Los Angeles is definitely, sounds super cliche, but I think there's definitely this ideal of perfectionism. You know, for me, I love... I love some fine lines, you know, when you smile or I love a blush of like freckles or a flush in the cheek, or I think these are things that make us really unique and beautiful. And, and I think definitely Los Angeles, it's more about, I have pores, (laughs) which is normal. Like we all have pores and I think um, we need them. We need them. They, they, they serve a purpose or they don't want the freckles or fine lines, or it's a real, there's definitely an, an ideal of perfectionism. And then in Paris, French clients are cool because they don't mind a bit of pigment and they don't mind a bit of fine lines or wrinkles. They're just like, now, you know, you can always ask a client, you know, what concerns you or what what are things that you're wanting to focus on? Because what I might see is very different to what my client is seeing. And, and the objective is always to obviously work on the concerns that they have. And I love in France. They're just like, no concerns, just just to clean or they just want it like they want some sculpting or a massage. And I love that because it's not they're not picking themselves apart or being like, I want to remove this pigment or I have dark circles. It's kind of it's very cool kind of approach. So I think geographically, there's sometimes those differences. But ultimately, I think we just want to preserve the skin and have it, you know, healthy and clear and those sorts of things. It's so true. I lived in New York for a very short time and just as I was leaving to come back home, this trend of like growing out your gray hair was becoming a thing. And I'm living in Melbourne at the moment. My little cousin's like, when I get older, I want to grow all my gray hair out. And I was like, oh, wait till you get to my age and (laughs) talk to me. But I just also love that Australians are becoming a lot more sun safe. You know, we kicked off our SPF 365 initiative, which was about driving home the importance of wearing sunscreen all year round. And I'm sure this is something that you can 
vouch for as well is like you can spend all this money on skincare, getting treatments, but you might as well throw all your money down the drain if you're not going to protect your face from the sun. Yeah. Something though, I think that people need reminders of constantly. I was saying this to a client recently because, you know, she's like, yeah, but I don't like the way it makes me feel. It like makes my skin feel. And I'm like, you know, spend the time. There are so many formulas and sunscreens come such a long way, especially even in the last five years. Spend the time. Yes. Keep going through. If you don't like it, give it to your mum, give it to a friend, give it to whoever, get another one. Because, you know, the best sunscreen is one that you will wear every day and one that you like the feeling of. And it's not even, we can say, you know, it prevents pigmentation or laxity or large pores or redness or all of these things, wrinkles, whatever. But it prevents skin cancer. And, you know, if you really kind of research melanoma and different things, it's a really scary, I think we're all scared of, you know, lung cancer with smoking or we're scared of, you know, we we talk about breast cancer or different things. Melanoma is a really scary disease. And I think that there's probably not a lot of knowledge around people think, oh, it's just like a little thing, a mole that you get cut out. And that's not the case. So I think, you know, we all brush our teeth, we floss our teeth, we do all of these, you know, just for our sunscreen. Now you recently added author to your list of skills and released your book called The Modern Guide to Skin Health. Was there anything new or surprising that you discovered while writing the book? That's a really good question. I mean, well, A, that I could write a book and that's the craziest thing and and something (laughs) I have COVID to thank for. It was interesting because the publisher had reached out a few times prior to COVID. And I was like, no way. I would never have, you know, I would never have the time or the patience. So that was a big surprise. But I think, look, you know, the main takeaway for me and the book is quite, you know, the idea of the book it's all encompassing. There's a lot of information there, but for me, it was more to make it very accessible and digestible for anyone to pick up, whether it's, you know, a young girl starting out in skincare or someone in their fifties or, you know, even six, like a book that you could go to and get really practical advice. So it's not about saying that you have to have fancy treatments and use super expensive products and do these big elaborate, you know, expensive skincare routines. But I think that we're not really taught the basics of skincare and going back to, you know, we're always taught from a really early age how to brush your teeth, how to floss your teeth, but we're not taught how to take care of our skin, just the basics of keeping it clean, keeping it hydrated, keeping it protected from the sun. And a lot of what really stood out to me, you know, would be so many clients, you know, even in their 30s and 40s coming in, not knowing, you know, why they should wash their makeup off before bed or that, you know, they have this hormonal pigment or melasma and they didn't know that they could treat it, you know, and they've been suffering this, with this for, the, for 10 years or not knowing that they have a condition called rosacea, for an example, all of these things. So it's a guide that you can pick up and read front to back, or you can go to a section that relates just to you, or you can work out what your skin type is or what a really easy, simple morning routine should look like or an evening routine. But I think what I did, my main takeaway going back to your question was that it needn't be complicated. So as much as there was so much information going into the book, the big thing that I really took away, which is kind of what I've always believed, but it was a great way of articulating it, was a really comprehensive, fantastic skincare routine that's preventative, that's corrective, that it's all-encompassing, really needn't be complicated. It shouldn't be expensive if you just educate yourself a little bit about your skin type, your unique set of concerns or your goals, you know, and a few ingredients that are beneficial to you. That was my main takeaway. It's not hard. It's an easy guide for people, but I think as well, you know, we're taught and sometimes a lot of the books that I would read, you know, skincare books I would have a look at, they're very preachy or they're quite, you know, you have to buy this product and you have to get a facial every month. And look, treatments are fantastic. Like you said, wedding prep, or if you have acne scarring or rosacea or something that you're really wanting to treat and correct, 
they're fantastic, you know, and if you can have a facial once a month, that's amazing, you know, but not everyone can and that's not realistic for everybody, whether it be resources, you know, money, proximity, time, all of these things. So there's so much that you can do at home. I mean, I always say even adding a cream mask into your nighttime routine is kind of like almost a facial, you know, or adding an oil into your nighttime routine and giving yourself a bit of a massage. There's so many things that we can just do that are really simple and quite cost-effective that yield true results. Now, we have one last question. Bed, wed, or dead? Niacinamide, vitamin C, or retinol? Oh, wow. I would say for bed, retinol, a literal answer. <laughs> Something yeah, yeah, yeah. For bed. But I think retinol, bed, wed, I would say niacinamide because it's such an effective ingredient for kind of targeting a multitude of concerns, everything from redness to pigment, collagen degradation, coarse skin texture. I love, love, love niacinamide. And dead, I would say vitamin C because I guess you're in that, I'll be using it for the rest of my life until I'm dead. I think for me, vitamin C is something that I put over every other active kind of ingredient. I'm a huge believer that you know, pollution, free radical aggressors are just as damaging as far as aesthetically. So when I say damaging, not as in, you know, skin cancer and things, but as far as, you know, aesthetically to the skin as UV, I think, you know, pollution can really wreak havoc upon our skin. So vitamin C, we know it's tried, tested, it's proven, we know it works. It's an amazing, amazing antioxidant, but it's also firming, it's brightening, it gives a beautiful glow to the skin. So it's one of those, I love any kind of multitasking ingredient or product. So dead would be vitamin C. That was like the perfect answer. (laughs) You touched on before quickly, you were talking about like being in Melbourne and noticing that people have a lot of dry skin here. As we're moving into the cooler months in Australia, Do you have any other tips or ingredients or products, anything you have, anything under the hacks or tips umbrella? With going into winter, you don't need to get a whole new routine. A lot of people say, oh, they're getting their winter routine. I think you can make a few swaps. So you might swap out your gel cleanser for an oil cleanser or a cleansing balm. I love cleansing oils and balms because A, obviously they're great to break down makeup and sunscreen. Sunscreen is actually really hard to remove from the skin. So they're fantastic for that. But they're also quite conditioning. So you can cleanse, but you also feel that the skin is conditioned and softened. And oftentimes in winter or when it's a bit drier, I'll use my cleansing balm or my cleansing oil as my double cleanse. So I'll just use it twice because you know that you finish and your skin feels nice and conditioned. You know, swapping out your gel creme or your lighter lotion for a richer, more occlusive formula. I think definitely if you're feeling a bit a little bit devitalized or lackluster, one of the easiest ways to really just breathe life back into the skin is to give it a little bit of a, like using a gommage, so a scrub, a really gentle uh-huh. face scrub. So you're going to kind of buff and polish the surface of the skin, removing that buildup and debris because in the colder months, our cell turnover slows down. So you've got dryness, but you also have a slower cell turnover. So it's nice to just do a little bit of a gamage. I prefer that to a chemical exfoliant in the, just when my skin's feeling a little bit gritty or devitalized. So a gamage, yeah. a cream mask if you have one. If you don't, it's fine. But a gamage, a hydrating cream mask or a barrier boosting cream mask and then do a really nice massage with a, a face oil and you'll see the results are immediate. You know, it kind of really breathes life back into the skin and I love doing that in the colder months just to kind of give it a bit of a polish and then infuse it with lots of nourishment and kind of and lipids. And then the other thing is just don't forget to wear sunscreen just because it's cold outside or it's dark or it's overcast. There's still lots of UVA and just just don't forget to wear your sunscreen. Keep doing that all the way through. 
Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, Melanie. It was such a pleasure chatting to you. Such good tips. I feel like I could pick your brain all day. Super, super fun chat. Thank you for having me. That was really, really great. My product I didn't know I needed today. I'll have to take a shot for this when Keisha hears it as she's editing. (laughs) Sikaplast B5 Plus. This is the renovated version of the original Sikaplast B5 balm. Mm -hmm. Now, it wasn't available for a very long time because they were phasing out the old one. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people were trying to get that one and then couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then this one has come out recently. So it's available everywhere now, I believe. So... The difference between the two, there's not Mm. a huge difference, but there is an introduction of tribioma. It's a unique prebiotic complex that helps to support the skin barrier for healthy microbiome. Mm -hmm. So that's a new component of this product. There are a couple of other little minor changes, but largely it is mostly the same. Mm -hmm. I couldn't live without it. I really couldn't live without it. My mum had a couple of skin cancers removed on her face recently. She's Mm -hmm. got quite a big scar here, just in her forehead running down into her eyebrow. Mm. And I've had her just start using this on that scar now just to take some of that redness out and heal it up nicely. So we'll see how she goes with that. I might report back on. We need to do a count of how many times you have mentioned that product. I reckon while I'm away, maybe Kiara, that's how you can spend your time while I'm away. You can <laughs> go through every episode and count the amount of times I've said sick fast. And then I'm going to send an invoice to Laura Chazay. <laughs> What's your product today? So mine is the Wishful Thirst Trap. Now, Wishful, it's like the sister brand for Huda Beauty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was created by the founder of Huda Beauty. It's called Thirst Trap. Firstly, I love the name. You know how we used to feel about thirst traps. Yes. We never talk about that anymore on the podcast. I don't really post them anymore. I never post them anymore. (laughs) So it is a hydrating serum. But what I really like about it, I use it maybe because Huda Beauty made it. Like Mm -hmm. I think that it's better for makeup. Yeah. Yeah. When someone that knows a lot about makeup does like skincare, I'm like, oh, it's going to be. must know about skin prep. (laughs) Yeah. It must be formulated for using with, but I think it is just skincare. So it's formulated with three types of hyaluronic acid and firming peptides. It's actually quite a light. Can you see? Yes. Quite a light texture. Watery. Quite watery. Hmm. That's not a bad thing though, isn't that? Sometimes good because it's the thing that you'd put on first. Yeah. And it would. You want it to absorb in. Absorb in. Yeah. It's very lightweight. It's not sticky. I find it really hydrating, but maybe that's because it's not sticky. It's better for under makeup. If you have a tacky product on top of the skin, like a lot of people complain about hyaluronic acids being too tacky and then as soon as you put your makeup on top if you don't allow that to dry down enough it'll peel Mm. straight away as soon as you put foundation on so i find that this one definitely doesn't you can just see it's got Mm. like it just yeah instantly smooth what's the word i'm sick my brain's not working absorbs yeah Yeah. so (laughs) it absorbs into the skin really quickly and it doesn't leave any tackiness on there i use this one under makeup and i really like that extra hydration when i'm doing Mm. my makeup how much is it $72. Okay. But it's something that you could use every day as your hyaluronic and peptide serum. Yes. Like you don't necessarily just use it for makeup. Yeah. But that's how I've been using it. Mm, Nice. And I like the name, Thirst Trap Juice. Yeah, that is a good name. (laughs) Such a good name. I find makeup brands do really good names. Yeah. For their like products. Yeah. Yeah. Huda have some interesting names for their eyeshadows. Yeah. Like what? In one of their palettes that I have, it's like, well, not this example, but it's like, think about the blush called, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, there's that blush NARS, which is 
Yeah, orgasm. orgasm. Yeah. 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 They're creative. Makeup brands love sexy names. They do. Mm. They do. That's mine. Hannah, my boyfriend walked into our bedroom the other day and I'd been shooting some photos for a preen screen article and mm-hmm. a reel and I'd left it on top of the chest of drawers in our room and he walked over to it and goes, oh, is this a new lube, is it? And I was like, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> screen. <laughs> Why would it be lube? But that bottle doesn't even look like lubricant. It's a spray bottle. Why would you think that? Is it something with the name? Preen Screen? I think he just saw the bottle and the colour of the bottle and I don't know, but I've never seen a lube with that kind of design. Let's have a look. I'm just going to Google what's like a standard lubricant from the supermarket. I'll just put lubricant. I would have thought it's in like, oh, I guess it's kind of the shape of a lube bottle actually. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. So maybe I can understand. Look on Chemist Warehouse. Yeah, it kind of does look a little bit like, I mean, no, it doesn't actually. I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> no, it looks absolutely. But also that's not somewhere I would just leave lube. So I don't know why <laughs> that went through his head. I mean, from what I can see, most lubricants are like in a squeezy bottle, like yeah. not in a spray True. spray pump bottle. And they're like white or clear. There's not a lot of like bold colour to them usually no. unless they're flavoured. So anyway, he was bitterly disappointed that that was not a new lube and was in fact <laughs> sunscreen. On the topic of boyfriends and ultraviolet, I bought myself mm-hmm. a queen screen to take yeah. when I was in Bali last. So I got it. I bought a queen screen, and I brought it back home, and it's been on my shelf, and I haven't used much of it. And I looked at it the other day, and it was probably three quarters empty. And I was oh. like, who's hmm. using my queen screen? Because I bought this. Like I didn't get sent it. I actually paid for it. Yeah. And I realized that Nick has actually been taking it from my shelf and using it because oh. <laughs> he likes it. He loves to do a sneaky little steal, doesn't he, without letting you know. Sneaky, a sneaky little steal of my queen screen. And I said to him, excuse me, I I actually <laughs> bought that. He's like, oh, but I really like it. And you know what? I thought, well, if he's using it yes. because he likes it, fine. And I sort of relented and said, yeah, you can have it. I think that's a win. A man that's going to steal your sunscreen, he's a keeper. That's a green flag if I've ever heard one. Do you know what he, I think he, it's the the thing about it is it's such a thin texture. It's got yeah. such a, it's got a serum-y texture. Yes. It's rose-scented as well. Actually, on that note, my boyfriend also really likes Anthalios because of the texture of it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.